0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.
1: TL Talk Radio Season 5, Episode 3. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 3 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn funy and Randy Zigenfus, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Zigenfus.
2: And I'm Lynn funy Good morning, Randy. Good morning. And welcome to our guest, Brian Goodwin, author of upcoming book from McCrowl, Out of Curiosity, Restoring the Power of Hungry Minds for Better Schools, Workplaces, and Lives. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. And this is actually Brian's third appearance on the podcast. You might remember Brian from Season 2, Episode 37, when we spoke about a number of McCrell resources, and most recently last season, Episode 33, when we spoke about Curiosity Works, another focus at McCrell. But we're excited today to talk a little bit about uh, Brian's new book, Out of Curiosity, that we have um, actually looked at a production copy. So we got to preview it before it actually goes live. And hopefully, as you're listening to this, it is out there and available uh, for sale.
1: So welcome to the show, Brian.
3: Thanks. I'm glad to be back. It's great to be with you all.
1: Always fun chatting with you. So, if our listeners go to the McCrell website, they see that there is an abundance of resources around this topic of curiosity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, share with us what's the story of how you and McCrell got so interested in curiosity? Why curiosity?
3: Yeah. You know, we first bumped into it um, in Melbourne, Australia. So, we've been doing some work in Melbourne, uh, developing leaders and so forth. And we were told, hey, you ought to go talk to this guy on the northern suburbs, because um, he's doing some really interesting stuff. And so we initially thought that we would be trying to convince him, because he was a regional director, about how he should be working with Macquarell and we would help do leadership development. Um, and it didn't take very long before we were talking to him and realized he was doing something really, really interesting. Um, and his name is Wayne Craig, and he was the regional director in the northern Melbourne metropolitan region. Uh, about 75,000 kids, a big, a big swath of those uh, suburbs in Melbourne and, and their emphasis had been literacy, numeracy and curiosity um, and that was really Wayne that was driving that to say let's do, let's do improvement that starts with the kids, let's start with getting kids excited about learning and won't everything else get easier um, and more joyful and I think for us at McCorell, I'll speak for myself as a former teacher, that was something that was always on my mind. I wanted to motivate kids. Like the last thing I wanted was to be like that class that kids dreaded going to. <laughs> I kept thinking about how, you know, how do you motivate kids? And I think I was going about it all the wrong way. There's that. There's an old joke, you know, about a, um, a salesman who goes out um, and has an unsuccessful sales call. He comes back and he's lamenting the office. Well, I guess it's like they say, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. And then there's a veteran salesman in the office. He says, you got it all wrong, son, right? Your job isn't to make him drink. It's to make them thirsty. Mm-hmm. And I think we keep trying to make kids drink mm-hmm. as opposed to making them thirsty. And that's what I think curiosity is all about. And that's, that's why it's really, it's invigorated us. It's helped us see our, our research in a new light. Um, and as, as Randy mentioned, we've got a lot of stuff that we're working on really with curiosity because we figure if we can get this right, we can do everything else we want to do, plus it'll be more uh, joyful and engaging in the kind of place where we're all excited to get up on a Monday morning and come into school.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think those that uh, get a copy of Out of Curiosity and read it will see, will hopefully shift their mindset, I think. It shifted mine to think that this is really, this could be a very powerful uh, leverage point uh, mm-hmm. for those of us who are really interested in change to really focus on this idea of curiosity.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I guess the big question is, how do we make them thirsty? Yeah. <laughs> in our yeah. current current um, climate in the educational reform, we don't often talk about curiosity. And and you share a few ideas in your uh, resource that tells us how we can turn this around, how we can create these conditions for curiosity.
3: Yeah, and you know, I would say this. Let's start with let's start with teachers. Let's get teachers curious. And we don't we don't think about that either, right? Just the, just as we don't think about how do we create classrooms where kids are curious? How do we create schools where teachers are curious? And what I find is that when I talk to teachers about curiosity, they immediately latch on to it. In fact, the research shows that, right? If you if you put curiosity in a list of things that you ask teachers, what, what outcomes do you want for kids? They'll almost always star that and circle like, Yeah, curiosity is what they want. However, if you ask them without prompting what things are important, we don't tend to think about curiosity. So how do we make it front and center? Um, I think one of the things that that we can do is also help, you know, Randy, you mentioned in the book, we we talk about some of the research here that curiosity is more powerfully correlated with achievement than IQ. Um, We know how important intrinsic motivation is for kids. Uh, And yet we know the longer kids stay in school, the less curious, the less intrinsically motivated they are um, in their core subjects. Um, now I don't blame teachers for that. I, I kind of go back to the old adage of every system is designed to get the outcomes it produces. So if we've got schools that are creating kids that are bored, disengaged, and even curious, it's because we've designed our schools to be that way. Um, so the good news is that you know, and there's a lot of ways that we can help kids be curious. And it really starts with just looking at the content and saying, what 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 are adults curious about with this? Like what is it? What's a question? What's a prompt that I might get? kids engaged in this content, mm-hmm. um, to think about it and, and start even with that. Like, why would I want to learn this? Why do adults need to know this kind of stuff? Why is it important? What's interesting about it? Um, and then it, a, lot, a lot of it has to do with the kind of questions that we ask kids, the kinds of environments that we create for them. Um, and then the other thing that that we tend to focus on, too, is that, hey, this is already happening, right? I mean, curious, I mean, there are classrooms. There are schools. There are even units or lessons that make kids curious, and I'd start with that. I like I like to tell a story about my daughter Molly. I might have maybe I shared this with you before, but she's now in fifth grade, sixth grade. Time flies. Uh, <laughs> but when she was young, like in second grade, there was one morning of snowing in Denver. Right, snow was going sideways, and actually it wasn't snowing sideways. It was just a regular snowy morning, and she wanted to know if it was still a school day. And I said yes, and I thought she would be dejected. But instead, she like pumps her fists, right? She's so excited to get to school. Why was that? They were doing some overnight science experiment and she couldn't wait to get to school
2: uh-huh.
3: to see what was going on. And I'm like, man, if that could be true for her every day uh-huh. and for every kid every day, what would that look like? So I think that the thing is, we really just have to step back a bit and say together, how do we redesign our learning spaces and our classrooms so kids can be curious? And the good news is there's a lot of stuff out there um, about how to do that. As Randy mentioned, we're putting out resources to help people think about that, but also it's already there. There's already in the bright spots that are in your schools and in your systems, and so let's build on those things and say, can't we do that every day for every kid? Mm -hmm. And what would that look like?
1: So a few years back, uh, our organization, our stakeholders collaborated to create a profile of the graduate and. That's actually something that's fairly common these days. Districts are doing that to sort of create that vision for the future for when our kids graduate from us. What knowledge, skills, and dispositions are they going to get? And as part of our profile, we included curiosity. Mm -hmm. What have you learned about the role and value of curiosity in the workplace
3: and civic life?
1: Because you do talk about that in your book
3: yeah so that's very pressing of your district right to put curiosity in there <laughs>
1: um,
3: what we what we know from from studies that that you know they they look at uh, job or workplaces and they interview folks and the, then they go talk to supervisors who are your best employees what they find is those best employees are the ones who are also the most curious and that makes sense right that we want employees who ask good questions who are always thinking about how can I do this better um, who really create um an environment or an organization that is innovative because we're, we're constantly adapting and making things better. What we also know is that companies that don't have curiosity or that lose their curiosity, that's that's oftentimes when the, the beginning of the end is, right? Um, I like to pick on Blockbuster video, right? Because we can all relate to that. <laughs> yeah. you know, what was happening in Blockbuster, they weren't asking good questions anymore, more about what do our customers want? What's really happening here? It was like that they didn't know about Netflix. Actually, Reed Hastings came to them. He's the CEO of Netflix to say, to be bought out right and and blockbuster ignored that Mm -hmm. and i think really what happens it happens in any organization when the ratio of assumptions to questions gets out of whack then you know things start to decline um and that's that's also true then Randy you asked about civic life i think (laughs) you think about what's happening right now in our in our nation is when our ratio of assumptions to questions gets out of whack then we find our politics descending into tribalism right Mm -hmm. one side always assuming the worst about the other side and not asking questions anymore about well, where are you coming from? Why do you think that? Um, how could you arrive at such a different conclusion than I do? And I think what's interesting is that, you know, with studies have found that even educated people, like at Yale University they get these studies where they could, they could basically get people to change their minds just simply based upon what they thought their own side felt, right? So they could get liberals to say let's cut benefits for welfare recipients or get conservatives to say let's increase them just based upon what they thought the party line was the one thing that's interesting the one thing that cuts through all of that is curiosity right when we are when people who are curious are more likely actually to seek out things that may conflict with their own preconceived notions right because there's the joy of discovery there and therefore they're more likely to to in, Understand what, what it means you, you adopt the other side's views, at least you understand where they're coming from, um, and are less likely to sort of blindly adhere to, to party line or partisan politics and more apt to meet somewhere in the middle. And that seems like a pretty good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in this particular kind of very vitriolic moment in our nation's politics.
2: So how do we make sure we don't um, get that ratio out of whack? <laughs> and how do we, how do we as school leaders, work to cultivate more curious organizations? And you mentioned earlier, we really need to start with our, our teachers um, yeah, and curiosity. Yeah.
3: What's interesting is, uh, so I mentioned this in the book, too, like going back to studies that were done way back in the 1960s where they were looking at mothers and how mothers interact with their kids. And they found Mary Ainsworth did all these studies starting in Africa. And then she did them in Baltimore found that when mothers are warm and nurturing, right? When they create what you call the safe Harbor for kids, they were more likely then to go out and explore their environment. So um, versus mothers who were, you know, more controlling or kind of, um, you know, uh, maybe anxious. Right. So then you you extrapolate that into the classroom. They found the same things happening in classrooms that when, When teachers try to be rigid or controlling or very task-oriented, like we got to get the job done, kids are less curious, Mm -hmm. versus in classrooms where where teachers are are warm, they're focused on learning, not necessarily the task, but learning, making sure kids are actually understanding things, and they're asking good questions. That's when we see curiosity flourish. So now, take that idea. What's true of mothers, what's true of teachers is also true of leaders, right? When leaders can create places where people can ask good questions, when they when they challenge people but don't threaten them, mm-hmm. when it's okay to make a mistake, that whole Kaizen idea, every defect is a treasure, when we see data that don't look the way we want them to, instead of hiding it or explaining it, we dive in and say, well, what's really happening here? Maybe what are the bright spots? Well, what are some good things that are happening too? And I think the hardest thing for leaders then is to understand that you know, our job isn't to have all the answers, but it's to have good questions. Mm-hmm. We, 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 you know we, there's a few questions that are provide you know, for leaders to think about. One is like sim- tacking on those two simple words for you to a question, so saying, well what's most challenging about this for you that helps people become more reflective about, yeah, you know, why am I having a hard time adjusting to this change? or is there something I need to be thinking about in my own practice?" The other question that leaders can ask, that I think is really powerful, are those "what if questions? mean, what if we did things this way? What if we got kids curious? What would that look like? And I think it's really important for, for leaders to keep asking those questions about how can we do things differently and do, do them better? And that encourages everybody to have that same kind of mindset about we're always about getting better, right? It's not, it's not that um, we're stuck where we are.
1: So one of the sections of the book that piqued my curiosity was when you started to make the connection between curiosity and empathy. Talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, you know, as a starting point, there's been a trend that's that's disturbing in research that has found that over the last 30 to 40 years, people have become less curious, and these are usually studies of like college kids, um, and I found a particular drop, it kind of correlated appears to be with the rise of cell phones and social media. It's a correlation, not a causation, and yet I think a lot of us might say. There may be something there, right, that we go to dinner and we see other people, couples, sitting together Mm -hmm. with their noses in their (laughs) phones, not talking to one another. Um, So what researchers have found is that people who are curious tend to have better relationships. They put them in different conditions where you're asking questions of each other. People who they knew previously going into the study are more curious tend to dive more deeply into those questions They really understand other people Um, and I think that makes sense, right? That, that we always like friends who ask questions about us, right? It's important for, for relationships that we keep asking questions about each other, learning more about each other's, you know, that we like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, that sort of thing, (laughs) but also going, going, chucked up
2: martinis.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Right. And you you have that embarrassing moment. uh, (laughs) Um, but But it's going deeper, too. Like, what are your hopes? What are your aspirations? Um, And learning to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, that's really empathy, right? Really understanding, um, having compassion for people, feeling for them, understanding what's really happening. Um, And usually what that does is it surfaces the things that we have in common, right? Mm -hmm. There's always more that that unites us than divides us. And that's where, when we're curious, we find those things out.
2: Well, thank you for sharing that connection and um, lots to think about there. And even in terms of relationships with leaders on our team and you know, how we can be more curious and more empathetic um, to model this in our, in our organization. So thank you for that, for those thoughts. Before we invite you to share what's next for you, Brian, let's get a couple of short answers to a few lightning response questions, something we added new this (laughs) this season so that we um, could try to find some more resources that our our listeners could um, peruse after a podcast. So who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about curiosity?
3: Yeah. So there's a guy that's throughout all my footnotes in the book is Todd Cashton at the at George Mason University that's where he is right now um, he's done a lot of studies on curiosity he's done the studies around empathy and curiosity um, he's looked at life satisfaction and curiosity so he's also a really good writer he's engaging he's funny so he's got a blog you can go check him out um, at George Mason University Todd Cashton.
2: all right great and if you were recommending one book of course beyond out of curiosity, to our listeners, what might that book be?
3: Well, so I'm glad you asked me that question because I would have been really conflicted only saying Todd Cash. And there's another <laughs> person out there, Susan Engel at Williams College, um, has done a lot of research on curiosity. She's done a lot of research in the classroom in K-12 settings around curiosity. She's got a great book called A Hungry Mind. Um, you can check her out, too. And it's well written, just like Todd. She's a good writer. She's scholarly, but also um, conveys uh, the research in a way that's that's engaging and easy to absorb too. So if I, if I could have like a fireside chat with any two curiosity researchers, it would be Todd Cashton and Susan Engel.
2: Great. And last question. Um, is there another either online site or resource or person that you follow and from whom you learn regularly?
3: Yeah. So, okay. So so true confessions, I was a long form journalist back in the day. So (laughs) I still, I still prefer that form longer books and articles. So I'm an audible junkie which goes well with Denver traffic, right? Because I can listen on my commute. Um, and I contribute to Ed Leadership. So, honestly, um, and this is not just simply plugging Ed Leadership, but there's always so much good stuff in that magazine. I try to read it cover to cover um, every time. I'm always humbled by the other writers that are in it. I think that's why they put me in the back by the Sea Monkeys ads, right? Because um, oh, there's come good on. stuff there. <laughs> Um, You've
2: had a couple of uh, columns there yourself, right? <laughs> I
3: have, yes. I write a, mo- I write a monthly column, uh-huh. for Ed, but uh, um, again, like there's just good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really enjoy Sarah Sparks at Ed Week. She writes on research every every week and does a great job covering it. has a great command of the field and explaining things really clearly. So those are kind of my my um, my heroes uh, when it comes to writing and reading.
2: Well, great, thank you for those resources
1: yeah, and uh we actually interviewed Susan Engel and her son on their book uh a School of our own I think it's called perfect so yes, yeah that was great. a that was a fun conversation mm-hmm. uh so yeah, thanks for sharing those yeah. resources. We'll make yeah. sure those appear in the show notes and definitely add some dimension to our conversation here so last question, what's uh on the radar for you what what's what's coming up that you'd like to share with our listeners?
3: Yeah. So I think last time I shared that we, we had a white paper come out called student learning that works. That's going to become a book. We're going to expand that more. And what that's all about is really how do you, you know, how do you have curiosity guide learning? We created a, um, a way to sequence learning that keeps curiosity alive. So we'll be fleshing that out into a full book, hopefully sometime next year. Um, it all depends on how much time I can clear off my, <laughs> my plate to do that. Another book I'm really excited about that uh, is coming out with a friend of mine um, and his colleague, So Pete Hall and Elisa Simmeral have been long-term authors, also long-time authors for ASCD. We're working on a book that's really helping teachers become reflective, to ask themselves good questions so they stay curious in the classroom. Um, And progressing along pathways, um, because the challenge of of being a good teacher is there's so much stuff out there that we know we have to master, but how do I go from where I am to where I want to be? And most importantly, I want to create those classrooms where kids can be curious, where they can be engaged and what does that look like. So that book will be coming out hopefully in the next few months. Um we, the working title is, is something around uh the reflective teacher's guide. So um but stay tuned to our website. I'm excited about that too. Um um coming soon. So. Excellent.
2: Well, more th-
1: good stuff yeah. on the horizon. Yeah, more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we'll exactly. see you
2: back later in the season, hopefully. <laughs> I would
3: love that. It's always great to chat with you
2: all. So thank you so much for joining us, Brian, to learn more about Brian's work. We've listed quite a few resources, um, linked to former podcast. Um, you can follow Brian and McRell on Twitter, and we'll also link to uh, the other experts that Brian highlighted, Todd, Susan, and um, some resources for Ed Leadership and Sarah Sparks. Right,
1: and thank each e- And each episode, we leave you with a question or two to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. So this episode's question, After listening to today's conversation, what are you most curious about on the topic of curiosity? Why is that important to you? And what will you do next to satisfy your curiosity? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at TL Talk Radio and look for Season 5, Episode 3. That's all for now. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Brian.
2: Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.